Appreciate it. Somebody mentioned Veterans Day. Thank you. I know we've got a great number of veterans here. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Because you do what you do, I can do what I do. Uh, and, and that means a great deal to me. And it should mean a great deal to all of us. And so uh, to everyone who's ever served, thank you. To your spouses, thank you. Um, and so we, we, take, we take for granted so many things today. Uh, but Veterans Day is the time we set aside the 11th hour, the 11th month, um, the 11th day, and, and, and um, at the end of World War I. And, and so um, there's a lot of veterans uh, for the Lord in this place, and I'm thankful for that. When we're saved, we are enlisted uh, into service. Uh, it's, it's, uh, and, and so we owe God our service. We've been bought with a price. And so we are to serve Him. We are not our own. A lot of people say, well, you Baptists think you can do everything, anything you want to. No, we don't. I realize we are not our own. We're bought with a price. Amen. And we're to live our life in service for the one who bought us. And I'm thankful uh, to be part of that number today. If you have your Bibles, want to read along two places. Nehemiah chapter 8. And I'll be honest, I, did, I, I struggled with what I was going to read. Uh, and didn't really stumble across this till this morning on accident. Nehemiah chapter 8 and 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, I, I told you that I was anxious to preach, and I am. I told you it might not be good, and it might not. Um, I didn't. I dreamed last night I preached for an hour, and I ain't going to do that. Um, I'm going to try to, try to uh, go hurriedly, because I'll be honest, I'm anxious. I don't know how to be received. I don't expect I will make very many friends with this, but that's all right. Um, I just want to help you. And if you will, and I say you, if we, including me, if we will uh, open up our hearts unto what thus saith the Lord, I believe it will help. Uh, and so I do desire a great interest in your prayers. Nehemiah chapter 8. And again, I'll try to be brief because we've got a long, long day with business conference and youth meetings and and all that stuff, but uh, uh, let's give God His part first, right? Um, Nehemiah chapter number eight and verse number one. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, probably butcher some of these names. I told somebody one time that those Old Testament names, if you say it with enough confidence, nobody will ever question you. And so that's what I'm gonna do. Nehemiah chapter eight, verse one. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding, upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Matthiah and Shema and Anani and Uriah and Hilkiah and Messiah on his right hand and on his left hand Padiah and Mishael and Malchiah and Hashram and Hushabadana and Zechariah and Meshulam. That wasn't too bad. And Ezra opened the book of the uh, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord 
the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Keep that in mind. Um, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse 4, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and precious. You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house on holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in sign a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Isn't it amazing how God works things out? Listen. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's all I'm going to read. I do desire your prayers. <clears throat> I want to try to preach to you on, on just a thought. What is Jesus worth to you? And I've thought about this all week. What is Jesus worth to you? I read to you in Peter that um, unto you that believe He is precious. If you look up that word precious, I, I, uh, you'll probably find it means something like rare, of great value. Something, we, we, we put that word precious to a lot of things. We say, well, that's precious. And, and some things are precious, no doubt about that. But the most precious things in this world aren't things. The most precious that ever set foot on this earth is Jesus Christ. He is to you that believe. He is precious. And I want to take that and what we read to you in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a book that was written that if you look at the first, and it's been a long time since I've read it and stumbled across this this morning, but the best I can remember if you look back, he's one that, uh, that was mourning over the loss of his homeland. Uh, that when they had been carried away captive and they, he had got reports that they had tore down the temple, that they had tore down the walls around Jerusalem, and it grieved him in his heart, and he went in and begged the king. And he begged God to let uh, the king have mercy upon him and let him go and return and build the walls of Jerusalem back. And he did. And he was able with the help of God. He faced opposition. But he was able to do that that he set his heart out to do because he did it with all of his might. And because he believed it was needful and precious. 
and in, and in the faith chapter you find that all the congregation of Israel has gathered before a man by the name of Ezra. He was a companion of Nehemiah. He wrote a book too. Uh, but they, uh, they, they stood around. The Scripture says uh, that, that who was present it said every male woman and child that could understand what the Word of God said. And so that's who uh, needs to be in the house of God every Sunday. Uh, every man, woman, and child uh, that's able to understand and comprehend uh, what thus saith the Lord. And you notice the reverence they had. It said they all stood. Uh, Ezra stood up on a pulpit made of wood and elevated himself up for the uh, for the uh, for the purpose of being able to speak and people hear. And the people had reverence to the word of God. And when it was read, they stood. And it said from morning until midday, about six hours, this man of God read from the word of God contained in the first five books that Moses wrote the books of the law. And as he read, those people stood. And they didn't just stand, they listened. And they didn't just listen, they comprehended. Uh, they took it in. How do you know that, preacher? Uh, because when he was finished, everybody there said, Amen, Amen. Now let me tell you this or ask you this today. Why did you come here? Don't you misunderstand me. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, but let me ask you, and not, let not me, let, let the Spirit direct that right into your soul this morning. Why do you come to the house of God? Is it just because there's something? And I fear that most of us probably fall in one of those categories. Is it something that you just do? That you were raised to do? That you feel that you should? That you feel that it's right? All of those things are true. But the reason we should come to the house of God is to worship our Lord and Savior. I've thought about that word all week. Worship. What does that word mean? It comes from an old Anglo-Saxon word uh, that in the old days, in the days of Shakespeare and the like, in that old English language, uh, that it was pronounced worst ship. And it, it gave intrinsic value into something or someone that was worthy. In other words, our worship uh, to Jesus Christ and to the Father, our worship, what that actually means is uh, how much worth do we put in to the one who saved our soul? If you think about it in that frame of mind, now I have not worshipped God the way that He is worthy to be worshipped. And I say that with every aspect of your life. You put money in the collection plate. You should. Not for my benefit, but how much worth is the house of God? How much worth? And you put in your time studying the Scripture. And you should. Because by doing that, you're saying that there is something worth my time and worth my attention and worthy of me to learn everything I can about this man named Jesus Christ. And so when you say worship, a lot of times we think that's just singing songs. It's a part of it, yes sir. The preached word, it's a part of it, yes sir. But how much 
How much are you worshiping God as you sit here in the house of God Sunday after Sunday? How much of it just comes in and goes out and it just ebbs and flows? How much do you how much do you put in? How much do you give? I'm not talking about just monetary, but that is your duty. I'm talking about how much of yourself we as Sister Lindsay mentioned about the man, I'm glad that he had that desire at the end of his life to be baptized. Don't misunderstand me. But let me tell you this. He's worthy to do it now. He's, is he not? Is he not? Is he not? Is he so worthless to you that have been saved and never been baptized? Does he not mean any more to you than that? Worship is how much worse do you put in Jesus Christ. That's what it is. Amen. How much worse. And to you that believe, is He precious? Is He precious to you today? Preacher, how do I know if I've been saved? I, don't, I can't answer that for you. I can't instruct you to ask yourself that question. Is He precious? You see, I believe that, that, that it's more than just an act of obedience. It's more than just... You see, David said it like this. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of God. I was glad. Uh, too many people today, uh, they think of going to church as a chore. Uh, they think of it as just something to do. Uh, well, I can't wait till after church because after church we're going to do this and do that. Uh, can I tell you, we've got it backwards. This ought to be the thing that we look forward to every day until Sunday morning. This should be what our whole week should build up to this. Not a ball game. I love ball games. Amen. The ball games have killed and destroyed the foundation of the house of God. Amen. You can disagree with that, but you know I'm telling you the truth. How much worth is Jesus Christ to you? We're going to celebrate Thanksgiving here in a week or two. How much ought we to be thankful? How much ought you to be thankful? How much would, you know what those first pilgrims did? You've heard me say this before. They thought so much of their Lord and so much of their children uh, that they put them on rickety boats and sailed across an ocean where men had died just so they could worship their Lord. We won't put our kids and take our kids off the ball field and put them in the car and drive them five minutes to the house of God. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. How much worship, you say, how, is he worth coming on Sunday morning? Is he worth bringing your kids to Sunday school? Has he not been that good to you that you could say, Lord, I want to thank you and I want to raise my children under the sound of the gospel? Amen. Is he worth coming out on Wednesday night? Because from the crowds, and I'm thankful for those who do, that he's not worth it. Is he worth coming on Sunday night? I told you I wasn't going to make friends, but I've got to preach this. Is he worth it on Sunday nights? I've had men say to me, well, I don't much care for some of the preaching on Sunday nights. Now, they're not growing. You know what? You know what would help them grow more than anything? If you'd fall on your face and pray for the man of God and show up so he would have somebody to preach to. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's right. And you know what? Hey, every once in a while you ought to say amen to the man of God. I'm not amen. preaching for me. I'm saying is he not worth it? He's been good to us. I thought this week as we were 
thinking about what is it worth. I thought about my mind went back. I said, singing is a part of it. Yes, sir. But it's not just the words. I mentioned a while ago, when we sing, it ought to be strength from the depths of your heart and soul. It's not just words on a paper, much like the Word of God. It's not just words in a dusty old book somewhere. They ought to reach down and touch our soul. And if they do that, you will worship Him. If you do that, then unto you that believe, He will be precious. Do you understand? I thought about, I thought about slaves back in the old days. They preach, you can't say that. Well, it's our history. I'm not proud of it. But we did enslave people back years ago. One of the worst things we ever done. I was bringing a race of people and being their bondmasters. But you know what I thought about? As I thought about singing, I thought about, you know, those, those masters back in the day, they tried to break the spirit. They tried to break the spirit and the strength of those slaves, but they couldn't do it. And the more they tried, you know what those slaves did? They began to sing songs. Yes, sir. And then the masters couldn't stand that. You know what? You know what? Satan cannot stand how when he puts you under his thumb and you still sing and ring out the praises of the one that's worthy. He can't understand it. He can't stand it because he cannot break the spirit of a man that's been born again. Amen. Cannot do it. Cannot do it. Hey, go there hard times, yes. But even in those hard times, you draw strength. I thought about I heard a message preached this Sunday. Is he worthy? Is it worth it? Is it worth it to worship? I thought about a message by the, uh, that, uh, that Ethan preached uh, back in revival about that woman with an alabaster box of ointment. And he said, it's not a waste to worship. I thought about that lady. Her name was Mary. And she was a sister to Lazarus and to Martha. And Jesus Christ raised her brother from the dead. And she knew him to be worthy of all her adoration, all her praise, all her love, all her strength, all her desire. Well, Martha served. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and just hung on every word he had to say. I don't know about you. I want to be married. There's a place for the Marthas, yes, sir. But sometimes it's good just sit down and hear the what thus saith the Lord. But you know what our problem is today? How we, um, I read to you in the book of Nehemiah that the people stood there for six hours and listened to a man read the Bible for six hours. In a few minutes, it'll be 12 o'clock. And some of you are already anxious and waiting to go. I'm sorry I ain't through yet. Is he not worth it? Really, is he not? I mean, this is the Word of your Creator. We worship this man named Jesus Christ. You know why we worship Him? I don't understand it. Heard people talking about the Incarnation this week. Christmas is coming up. You say, leave that for Christmas. It's really an anytime message. You understand that the Word of God says that there in Isaiah that I am God and there is none else and there's none beside me. He said, I am a Savior. Hang on that. I am a Savior. Who said that? God said that. God said I am a Savior. 2,000 years ago when a, little, when a little baby was born in Bethlehem of Judea, there were some angels came down to those shepherds. And you know what they said to those shepherds? That fear not. That rejoice in this day is born to you in the city of David. What? A Savior. 
Well, if Isaiah said God is the Savior and the, shepherd, the angels tell the shepherds this baby's the Savior, you know what that means? That baby is God Almighty come in the flesh. Amen. That's what that means. Isn't He worthy of that? Isn't He worthy of honor? Isn't He worthy? You can read in Revelation 19. Brother Dwayne had a good lesson in Sunday school and read that. That we will say in that day, Hallelujah! That when Babylon falls, when that great whore is met her demise, that we'll gather around a great banquet feast and there will be the marriage supper of the Lamb. Will we eat there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Robed in fine linen, clean and white. But you understand that the God that the Scripture says, you think about how vast this whole universe is. You know what the Scripture says? He said, I, he said, I dipped my hand. He said, I measured out the water in the palm of my hand. I measured the water. All the oceans and seas and rivers and creeks, he measured it in the palm of his hand. He said, by a span, I flung the stars out into the sky. And the same one that flung the stars out into the sky, I don't understand it, but somehow that one who measured the oceans and spread out the stars of heaven in a span, 2,000 years ago, he, was, he came down and put himself in the womb of a teenage virgin Jew and was born into this world. Amen. Heard a story the other day of whether it's true or not, I don't know. But it said this, this family went on vacation and this family went on vacation and they were having a good time and the dad lost control of the car and he wrecked. And as he wrecked, they went down a big embankment, flipped a few times and landed upside down, maybe in a creek. And, and, and dad and two girls got out. Mom couldn't. Mom was trapped. And he said that thing just engulfed in flames. And the dad tried to reach in. Her husband tried to reach in and grab her. And every time he reached in, he'd get burned. And by the time the fireman got there, there was no hope. She was alive. But she was burnt so horrible and so disfigured. And so they got her home. And she wouldn't come out of her room, not even for her family. She wouldn't come out. as She had all of her meals brought to her bedroom door. And the husband would pound upon that door and say, Darling, we don't care what you look like. We don't care what you are. We love you. And no matter how much she pleaded and begged, she would not budge. And so she was gone from their life. And just there, are we like that sometimes to God? I mean, we're here, but are we really here? Are we really worshiping Him? And so this man, he just pleaded and he begged. And no matter how much, she would not move. She was in such despondency and desperation of spirit. And she said, nobody could love a hideous creature like me. Nobody could love the way I look. I'm so different, nobody could love me. And so this dad didn't know what to do. Year after year went by. And this dad finally, finally contacted this world-renowned surgeon. I mean, he had done miracles on people. If there was anybody that could help him and what he desired, it would be this doctor. And so he wrote this doctor a letter. Told him about the living hell his life had been over the last few years. And this doctor felt sorry for him. And this doctor set up a meeting. And this man went and met with the doctor. And he told him everything. And the doctor said, Sir, I want you to know up front, I think I can help your wife, but I'll never, I'll never make her what she used to be. She'll never be normal again. 
And the man said, you know what? He said, I'm sorry, but you've misunderstood the point of this meeting. You've misunderstood what I want you to do. He said, I've got enough sense. I know my wife will never look like she did. I know that that has changed forever. He said, I don't want you to touch her. He said, I want you to make me look like her. He said, I want to know what she feels. I want to know how she lives. I want to know that shame. I want to know that contempt. I want to know that loneliness. My friends, 2,000 years ago, we could never be like God, but God came down to be like us. Is that not worthy of worship? Mary with that alabaster box of ointment, you know what she did? Two days, two days after she did this, Jesus Christ was going down in the procession on Palm Sunday. In just a few short days, He was going to be crucified. But that night in the house of Simon the leper, His disciples were gathered in and Mary, Mary, Mary had held on to this spikenard. She had a pound of it. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of ointment. And he said she kept it for this day. And she broke it and began to anoint his head, the head of Jesus, all the way down to his feet, took her hair down and began to wipe his feet with her hair. John wrote about that 60 years after it happened. And he could still smell the perfume of that ointment. He wrote and he said that fragrance, it filled the whole house. But you know what? As much as Mary loved James and John and Peter and Andrew and all the other apostles, she didn't do that for them. They were a byproduct of her love for her Master. She wanted to do something for Him. What can I do for Him? The Bible says, whoever giveth a cup of water uh, in the name of Jesus Christ shall not lose His reward. If you give a cup of water, if you give a dollar bill, I know that it's in service to Him. And she wasn't behind probably on on any almsgiving. But still, she didn't feel that was enough. Uh, Can I say to you tonight or this morning, worship is more than giving your money. It's more than giving in your time. It's more than... I mean, you know what the Apostle Paul said? And some of you take note to remember this. The Apostle Paul said, talking about people joining the church. Why? Why do you join the church? You know what he said? He said, first, they gave themselves unto the Lord. First, they were saved. What happened after that? He said, they gave themselves first to the Lord, then to us. What is that us? It's the church of the living God. Amen. That's what that us is. Have you given yourself to the Lord? Are you saved? Yes, sir. Preacher, I'm saved. Have you given yourself unto the church? If not, is He not worthy that you should do that for Him? Is He not? Is He not worthy that you should come on Wednesday nights to hear His Word? 
Is He not worthy on Sunday nights? These men of God have spent the biggest part of their week. Hey, you don't just get up here and preach off the top here. I've been accused of that. A Church of Christ friend of mine, and we're friends. I mean that sincerely. He said, you Baptists, he was tongue-in-cheek. He said, you Baptists, you don't, you, don't, you don't have to study, do you? You just get up and God gives it all to you. I'm sorry, it's not the way that works. That's right. You must study to show thyself approved. And so these men of God have spent a week in study. The least we can do is come out and hear what thus saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. You see, right. if you come to hear me, you're coming for the wrong purpose. That's right. You're coming for the wrong reason. If you're coming to see your neighbor, I love fellowship. We ought to fellowship. But it's hard to fellowship an hour on Sunday morning. And as soon as the last amen, you're out the door. You must understand. What are we doing with our kids? You must understand. Why are we having all of these youth events? It's hard for me to get my kids there. I know it is. I know it is. I know you're busy in your life. I know, but you know what we're doing? First of all, we're trying to instill in them the Word of God. Second of all, I don't know if you've noticed, our world's dark. I mean, it's in trouble. I saw this week where our nation voted in 2026, uh, despite the efforts of my one of my congressmen in Kentucky, Thomas Massey, tried to block it, but he, he failed. Didn't have the votes. In 2026, they're going to start making every manufacturer of vehicles put a kill switch in your car. They say it's for, to, to, to uh, monitor your driving. But do you realize they can shut you off anytime they want? you realize if your ESG score, your wokeness score, gets down below a threshold, they can shut you off and strand you? you realize that this week the FCC is voting on a bill that would give the government entire control down to the minor, most minuscule thing over the Internet? That's a big thing. Why is it a big thing? We put sermons on there. But if the sermons go against what they want you to know, they'll take it down. You realize that the covenant shooter manifesto was leaked this week and very few saw it because the government shut it down. YouTube shut it down. Google shut it down. Why? Because they don't fit their name. What I mean, where are, you, where are you going with all of this? I'm here to what is the job of the church? It is the place where you should know the truth. Amen. And we are living in a nation that wants to block and decide what's true and what's not true. That's right. So what are we doing with our kids? I don't know if you know this. As your kids grow in this evil, God-forsaken land, they are going to need friends. We're trying to instill in them the more time they spend together when they're young, when they're in their 20s and 30s and 60s, they're going to be close because they have a knit together in who? In Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing. I know it's hard to get them here. I know it's hard to get out. And I know it's hard. On, you've worked all day Wednesday. It's hard to come on Wednesday night. I want you to understand He is worth it. Unto you that believe, He is precious. Is He? Is He really? We say that He is. Do we live like He is? 
when we sing, I've been in churches where I've seen people sniggering and laughing. Let me tell you this. This is no place for that. I love to have a good time. But there's a time it's about Him. Mary took that ointment. She didn't do it for Peter, James, or John. She wanted something to do for Him. And only for Him. And she must have thought, what can I do? What do I have that's of any worth? What can I do to show this man how much I love him? And then it came to her. He's going to be dead. She listened to him. She listened to him say, the Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of sinners. She listened. His apostles did not. She listened. And she anointed him for his burial. Yes, sir, that same God who meted out the heavens and just cast the stars in the sky was crucified. And three days later, come out of their tomb. It's by Him and by His grace and faith in His shed blood and that plan of salvation that we can be saved. I mean, He's taken you from a land of the dying and He's carrying you off into the land of the living where there'll never be another pain. There'll never be another curse. There'll never be another sin. Everything is going to be perfect. Is He not worth it? Is He not worth worship? What is worship again? It's worth-ship. It's putting a value on something that you worship. We're living in a nation that worships cars, worships homes, worships ball games, worships musicians, worships celebrities. There is only one worthy. Revelation chapter number 5. John said, I wept because no man was found worthy to open up the seals, to open up that scroll and to loose those seven seals. John said, I wept I looked over heaven and there was not one that was worthy. Why? An angel said, Fear not, John. There is one that is worthy. He is the root and offspring of David. He's the bright and morning star. He's worthy to unloose those seals. One day, He's going to unloose those seals and hell will come on this earth. You need to be ready. Are you worthy? Is He worth it? When we sing in a few minutes, why don't we sing like we really love Him? Instead of just singing like it's about time to go and we can finally get out of here. Why don't we sing like He's worthy of our singing? Why don't we fall on our knees and pray to the One that's worthy of our prayer? Why don't we really just one time worship Him? People make fun of us. People have made fun of me. I was preaching up in Indianapolis the other day. And, uh, and I raised my hands and Brother Jeff said, you know, you don't see that much. He said, he said that's not what Baptist people... Know. And I love Brother Jeff. And he wouldn't mean it in any disrespect. He said, maybe we ought to. You can make fun of... You can make fun and make fun and make fun. I'm telling you, they did it in the Word of God. The Bible said they raised up their hands and they bowed down their head. And they worshipped. It's not in the raising hands. It's not in the bowing of the head. It's in the intent of your heart. How long has it been since you really, really worshiped and said, Jesus, You're worthy of everything. Everything in my life. 
Paul said, everything that I've done, everything that I've accumulated, every accomplishment that man, every accolade that man laid upon me, the Apostle Paul said, I count them as dung. They are worthless. They mean nothing to me. Paul told Timothy, the greatest thing, the greatest mystery, I heard a man preach on this the other day, the greatest mystery is not who the Antichrist is. The greatest mystery in the whole Bible it's not who Babylon is, who the whore is, who the Antichrist is, who the bride is, who the bride of the Antichrist is. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.16 that without controversy, not even up for debate, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, preached over to the Gentiles, seen of angels, received up into glory. That same God is the one who gave His life that we can be saved. I'd say He's worth it. I'd say He's precious. Everything you do, you do it for Him. You come to church, you're to come for Him. Now because it's your duty, you are duty bound. Let me back up and say that again. You are duty bound. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. You are duty bound, but if that's the only reason why you're coming, you just well stay at home. Amen. You come to worship. That's what it should be. Worship. Worship. That's all I've got for you today. Thank you for listening. Brother, come grab us a song. We're going <clears> to <throat> open the doors of the church. It's been requested. Um, I just had to preach that first. Um, if the Lord is impressing upon you, all we require is what's been required down through the ages since the, since the gospel was preached. We require a testimony of salvation. And then if you've not been baptized, we require uh, proper baptism. That's all we require. If the Lord's impressing upon you to join, do that. Preacher, it's, I know we've got a long day. If He's impressing upon you to come to this altar and pray, you do that. I mean, I just want to worship Him whatever He says to do today. God bless you.